Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to Season 7 of Fascinated. And what a start we have with this guest, the fantastic Samantha Mumba. This episode was recorded as part of the Kilkenny Cat Laughs Festival, which is a comedy festival in Ireland, which couldn't run last year because of COVID. But just before Christmas, they held a modified festival called the Cat Cast, where comedians recorded podcasts live on stage at the Set Theatre in Kilkenny. And Samantha Mumba was my guest and she was fantastic and I think she really lifted the lid on a lot of aspects of her career so that's coming right up. Now the business bit. Fascinated is now going into its seventh season. If you have enjoyed the show and would like to support it and get bonus episodes in return well I have got news for you. Fascinated is part of the Headstuff podcast network and they have now launched HPN Plus. So you can subscribe for five euro a month and in return you will get access to bonus episodes from Fascinated and from all other podcasts on the network. And do I have some bonus content coming up for you? I absolutely do. There is some stuff up there already but we will be making bonus episodes starting in a couple of weeks time and I'm very excited about them. These are episodes that will not be on the free feed. Also there will be early access to some of the episodes that will be coming up later on in the year. The link to subscribe to HBN Plus is in the information for this episode or in my bio on social media. But for now, on with the show. Hello, I'm Gerard Farrelly and you are very welcome to another episode of Fascinated. My guest today is the fabulous Samantha Mumba. The year 2000 was a year of great relief. We had lived through the millennium bug and the world hadn't ended. Planes hadn't fallen from the sky and our dial-up internet was still working. Big Brother was launched and changed reality TV forever. Kylie finally went back to her pop roots with the release of Light Years and Ireland finally had an international pop princess. We'd had Dove, Una and Kerri-Anne, whose bubbles had all burst before they had released albums. Naomi Coleman, who had released two albums and had chart success, but was more in the singer-songwriter vein. But on the 2nd of June, 2000, everything changed when Samantha Mumba went from being a relatively unknown 17-year-old singer to the top of the charts and the back of the buses. Literally. Her debut single, Gotta Tell You, was released in Ireland and went straight to number one. Three weeks later, it was released in the UK where it climbed to number two. Samantha Mumba had arrived. Following the release of his Hours album, June 2000 saw David Bowie headline the Pyramid stage at Glastonbury for what would be the last time. 
That summer he released the song Seven, the fourth single from his Errors album. Samantha capitalised on the year of Bowie mania by releasing her second single Body to Body, which contained a sample of Bowie's Ashes to Ashes. It was a ballsy move for a new artist, which was either going to get her panned or serious cred, and it did the latter. In October she released her debut album, which went straight into the top 10. Straight afterwards in November, Gotta Tell You was released worldwide where it hit number 3 in Australia, number 5 in the US Top 40 and number 4 in the Billboard Hot 100. Samantha's millennium year was crowned with her performing Gotta Tell You at Record of the Year. And her runaway success continued into 2001. She released three more singles, Always Come Back To Your Love, Baby Come On Over, and Lately, charting at 3, 5 and 6. She capped off 2001 with an incredible live performance of Baby Come On Over at the MOBO Awards. To say Samantha conquered the US would be an absolute understatement. Why can't one change the past? Why would you want to? Hollywood was knocking at the door. She was cast to star alongside Guy Pearce and her brother Omero in the big budget DreamWorks feature film Time Machine. I will change it. Around this time, the world was beginning to expect new music from Samantha, but nothing seemed to be happening. At Christmas 2001, she released an EP of Christmas songs produced by Phil Coulter, which was given away free with an Irish newspaper. Towards the end of 2002, she finally released I'm Right Here, a brand new track which went straight into the UK Top 5. By now, Samantha had conquered the charts, had a starring role in a feature film made by a major Hollywood studio, and the world was waiting to see what she did next. Given the success of her debut, it seemed like a no-brainer that Samantha's next move would be to release a follow-up album. But nothing happened. It seemed like the roller coaster had just stopped mid-air and Samantha went quiet. Very quiet. Musically, Samantha was quiet for the next 10 years, emerging briefly in 2008 to record new vocals for a Mickey Modell remix of Gotta Tell You and to appear in the third season of Dancing on Ice. She can sing, she can act, but can she skate? Samantha Mamba. Sometime later, a batch of tracks from an album provisionally titled Woman was leaked, but Samantha said that these tracks don't represent a completed album and some were her experimenting trying to find a new sound. But while Samantha was quiet musically, she spent that 10 years concentrating on making movies. She appeared in Spin the Bottle, the cult zombie movie Boy Eats Girl, Nailed, Johnny Was, Three Crosses, Shifter, Loftus Hall and Home. In 2013, she returned to music by appearing on The Hit, an Irish TV show where songwriters pitched their songs to established artists. She even released one of her songs from the show, Somebody Like Me, written by Liz Seaver. The following year, she released a follow-up track, Only Just Begun. 
Samantha has never really been gone. She has stayed on our screens presenting and modeling, but she returned to music full time in December 2020 when she released two singles, Cool and Process, within weeks of each other. And she has promised an album. I first met Samantha around 1999 when I was a member of Dublin Musical Theatre Players. We were rehearsing a production of Kiss of the Spider Woman and the cast went out for drinks and she arrived having just landed from a recording session in Sweden. The previous year, DMTP had produced the show Hot Mikado, which ran for three weeks at the Olympia Theatre in Dublin. The story goes that the director, John Donnelly, was looking for somebody to play Yum Yum, the female lead in Hot Mikado. Samantha had done a great audition, but he felt she looked too young for the role. The company were producing a cabaret and she was asked if she wanted to come along and do a song. She arrived all glammed up and sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow and she nailed the song and the role. Samantha Mumba is as much part of the fabric of Irish pop DNA as you 2 or the Cranberries. In 2000, she was the first Irish person of colour to hit the top five in the UK charts since Phil Linnett 15 years before. Gotta Tell You has transitioned from song to anthem. Her return to music last year was greeted with huge excitement. This June will mark the 21st anniversary of Gotta Tell You and hopefully by then there will be a new album and a new era of Samantha Mumba. And just to let you know, if you are a subscriber to Fascinated on HPN+, you can now go over there and you can watch this interview rather than listen. Hello, Samantha Hello. Mumba. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm loving this Christmassy scene that we have here. It's Listen, I'm just setting the tone, you know, just giving giving options here in the background. <laughs> the fire is very fancy. The Christmas tree, I love it. It's twinkling away in the background. I love fire. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I'm great. I mean, yeah, you know. Um, it's a pandemic. Yeah. I'm <laughs> surviving. Probably isn't the best thing. I mean, look, I'm surviving this year as, you know. As best you yeah. can. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. The last time I met you was actually in an airport. It was in Dublin airport and we were on the same flight. Yeah. You were going to play at a pride event and I was yeah. going somewhere uh, less, much less interesting, much less. <laughs> but it sticks out in my mind because there's kind of a little pattern to all of the times that I've met you and they always result in intense humiliation for me. And I'm going to list three occasions of this before we get it. I mean, we can talk about your glittering career, but I think, you know, at the start, oh, we need to settle some scores. <laughs> the, that time, what happened was we were chatting outside the juice bar in Terminal yeah. 2. And I got on the plane and I sat in the middle seat and a lady beside me leaned over and she said, oh, I hope you don't mind me bothering you. I hope you don't mind me asking. But are you, and I thought she was going to say a comedian, to which I went... <laughs> Yes, I am. <laughs> it's me. It's me. But what she said was, are you the person that was talking to Samantha Mumba? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I am, yeah. The second time, the second she humiliation. Says that though. I'm like, why? <laughs> she, was, well, she was very excited. She wanted to know what you were like. And I said, she's a nightmare. <laughs> a nightmare. <laughs> the second time was, I, 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 
did, I did the six o'clock show and you interviewed me and I had food poisoning. Uh, and I had to leave at the end, at one of the ad breaks to get sick. <laughs> so there we go. You did amazingly well. Thank you. Thank you. I do look like I'd had a shower with my clothes on in any of the photographs from that. <laughs> I just um, thought you were one of those people that, you know, just like sweaty. Just really poor personal hygiene. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> and the third time was many years ago. And it was uh, when I was in Dublin Musical Theatre Players, which I know you were in when you did Hot Mikado at the yes. Olympia. And it was two years after that you... Every, all everyone spoke about when we were doing shows was Samantha Mumba's going to be famous. And I remember there was some cast party after a show that you were at. And we I probably were in, shouldn't have been at, probably sculling the drinks at yes, the bar. Yes, <laughs> in the Tivoli. But I bought you a glass of fruity Bulmers. It was like the raspberry Bulmers. I to like buying a 14-year-old a glass of Bulmers. And that's what happened. I almost got thrown out of the Tivoli because I'd bought a 16-year-old. And I was like, no, no, I, she's definitely 20. Look at her. I mean, she's definitely. And he was like, Look no. Ancient. <laughs> she was in the star. I saw it. she's only 16. If you buy her another drink, I'm throwing you out. <laughs> I love that you did that. That, uh, by the way, that probably made my night. I loved a good glass of Bulmers. Still do, if being honest. But um, that's so lovely. I didn't know that. Uh, so there you go. So listen, you can pay me back that drink anytime, anytime. Fair enough. Fair enough. Next round is on me. Hundred <laughs> percent. So you've been teasing a comeback for quite a while now. For the past couple of years, you've mentioned that you were well, in the studio, that you were doing bits and pieces and now in the past month you've dropped two singles so what's it like to actually finally have that stuff out there oh it's a feast or a famine to be totally honest um you know I started feeling like the boy who cried wolf a little bit because you know I did start recording you know seriously recording um in the end of 2018 and so I would have been posting you know if I was in the studio or whatever um and I don't know maybe I shouldn't have done that so soon because it is a process it takes you know, time to find the right music. And obviously I'm very, very involved in every aspect of it now. Um, and initially I did have great plans for releasing in 2019 for whatever reason that didn't happen. Um, and then obviously this year happened. Um, so yeah, honestly, I'm just relieved to have the music out finally. Um, so that people just, you know, don't think I'm a nut job anymore. Just you know, <laughs> about it and never doing it. <laughs> but with, with music coming out, it must take you back to you know, the time when you were 16 years of age um, and heading off to Sweden to record on your own. What was it like, looking back now, like with 20 years distance, what's it like to look uh, back on all that? Honestly, it's just a bit, not, I'm not going to say it's a blur, but it does feel like a lifetime ago, you know. I mean, there's certain things that stand out. I absolutely remember, you know, and even as, what was I, 15, 16, my first time just even being in Sweden and, you know, trying to, even being in that kind of um, environment was very different for me. You know, I was used to being in school every day and, you know, that was about the, the extent of the excitement in my life. Um, so that was, that was a lot to get around. You know, my mom came with me for my first few trips to make sure, you know, that it was all appropriate and everybody that I was working with, um, you know, were, were squared away. Um, and then I started doing all of the trips myself. So yeah, um, very, very different experience to, to how it's been this time around. Um, in every aspect, I suppose, you know. Yeah. And what was it like when you were, because at that time you you left school to, to do this. So a lot of your yes. friends, like your friends were sitting, leaving certs and you were yeah. in a corset hanging off a truck. <laughs> Literally, yeah. I mean, 
yeah, valid point. I mean, <laughs> that is what was happening. And I remember it was very weird as well because um, I did have a billboard put up um, outside my my secondary school. Well, there was a billboard there, um, but I did ask that they, they because they were, you know, putting the ads up or whatever. So I did ask that one go went there, not to the girls, but kind of as a... Middle finger. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy the leaving, sir, girls. <laughs> Things are going really well for me. <laughs> <laughs> but like when you started, you um, like you were phenomenally successful very, very quickly. Like it was only when I was looking back at the your sales figures, like you sold four million albums and half a yeah. million of them were in America. And just to put yeah. that in context, like there were so many pop bands around that time that were desperately trying to break America. Like I was just thinking of people like Eternal and the Honeys and all those 90s bands that tried and tried and couldn't get arrested in America. And then you, with your first single, it was just like, it was immediately playlisted and you were everywhere. Um, To this day, I'm going to be completely honest, I don't really even get that myself in the sense that, you know, obviously it's different now. There's social media, you're connected to everything going on in the world. But at the time, for any artist, I think, who isn't American, you know, that would have always been a goal of mine, but I would have thought, you know, maybe after 10 years, if things go well, I, you know, I could try. And there was always that whole breaking and cracking America thing. So I certainly wasn't expecting it. I know for sure my label weren't expecting, you know, it kind of took everybody by surprise, um, to be completely honest. But I mean, that's the beauty of music, I think. And for whatever reason, you know, people just connected with that song and that video. Um, and I'm very grateful. And you must, but there must have been things that you were doing at that time that you were absolutely terrified by. Because I was watching some YouTube clips of you on things like the TRL, which yes. went out all over the world, or like the MOBO Awards or things like that, where you were just super confident, 17-year-old. But surely you must, there must have been something in you where you, you were actually terrified as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely was. I think at that age, um, looking back, I think that was kind of how I dealt with uh, a lot of the madness that was happening to me was very much so, you know, um, putting on a nonchalant front or, you know, even in my head, not even a front, because even in my head, I'd be like, oh, whatever, it's fine, you know. And I think that was kind of how I dealt with it and made everything very normal because it was a lot of mad stuff um, going on that I suppose I probably didn't even allow myself to really think about because it would have freaked me out. Um so, yeah, that, I think, with a healthy dose of just being, you know, a cocky teenager, all teenagers kind of think they're, you know, invincible, which is amazing. Um, yeah. But I do think that probably helped. You know, I don't think I would be able for that now, as, you know, as who I am as a person today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And you're kind of smart as well, because you got in on the publishing. Yes, I'm very grateful for that. I actually did sign my publishing deal before my um, record deal, thankfully. That's smart. Um, Yes. That's why there's a nice yes. Christmas tree behind you. <laughs> <laughs> so do you remember like sessions where you were writing those songs? Because I mean, some of the songs, um, like if you're not, like even people who are listening to this that are not a big fan, they know the big hits. Like you definitely know all of the hits that you had. Like anything you released was a hit. Like there was no, there's nothing that faded away. Thank you. Um, I do remember all of those writing sessions. You know, for me, a lot of the time, I would have brought my diaries with me to those sessions. Um, and in my diary, I mean, I can't even believe that I used to keep a diary, but I did. And so I would, you know, write poems in there or things that rhymed or things that I thought were cool. So a lot of um, my lyrical input uh, into the songs at that point would have been from my diary or, you know, things that were on my mind. And I suppose just things 
that were going on in my life at that time or whatever was important to me at that time. Um, so yeah, I do. I mean, I was, I was very, very lucky. You know, the producers that I worked with were incredible and very supportive and fun and respectful and lovely. Um, so I have great memories of, you know, those sessions. It's interesting because you had the big hit with Gotta Tell You, like that was massive everywhere. And then you followed that with, I suppose, looking back, it was kind of a cheeky move in that you, you sampled David Bowie, which had the song not been amazing, you probably would have been crucified for. Would have been slated. Um, <laughs> I can't take any credit for that. <laughs> um, to be fair, it certainly wasn't an idea of mine. Um, you know, uh, but I think, honestly, you know, we got his blessing before the release and his approval, obviously. Um, and I don't feel like he would have done that if he didn't think it was, you know, um, a it, good song or a good sample. Um, but it, it is so a great song. Um, you say it like that, that probably <laughs> was. Yeah, not the smartest move. I mean, it could have gone very left. <laughs> well, one of my friends, Kevin, who was like a proper muso, like he had no interest in pop. He thought that was oh, an amazing song. Yeah, no, he loved it. So I was like, okay. <laughs> Well done, Samantha. You've really, like, you've hit it. Both parties are getting in on this. Um, but what's interesting about that is it must be very strange for you to come back to Ireland to see that ad where everyone gets killed. Oh, that ad. Like, I mean, I wish I got royalties for that. It's horrific. <laughs> it was on all the time. And it was like, every time you hear the song, because it's such a good song, you're like, oh, yeah. And then it's like, cars flipping over. That did the damage or whatever that stupid line is in that terrible ad. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel everybody's pain on that to this day. I get tweets about it. Um, <laughs> I agree. Horrendous. <laughs> so you weren't involved in that. It was just, how did you hear about that? I would imagine that was probably management or somebody's call at that time who signed off on that. Um, and, 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 yeah, I mean, I genuinely don't remember, to be totally honest. Um, but I certainly didn't see the ad in advance and approve, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what we want to think of when we hear Samantha's music. Mass death Let's of young people. A few lives. <laughs> Let's just look at the positives here. Um, and at the moment now, you've, you've put out two singles together. What was the thinking in, you know, like, it's, it's a yeah, feast of famine. <laughs> Like, what were you thinking? Why? <laughs> you know, um, and they both came out two weeks apart. So um, the thinking, well, one, um, I'm releasing under my own label, so I can You're do the boss. Stuff like you that. can do what you like. Do well that. done. Um, you know, cool. The first single that I released is very much so just a vibe, a bop. Um, and I love it so much. Um, I don't, do, you know, it's not even the strongest song that I have. It wouldn't be indicative of the rest of my album. Um, but I just loved this and I kind of just felt like, you know, this is the time for me to do things that are making me happy and that I stand behind. So I did. Um, so that was that. And then I kind of just liked the idea of kind of just another little surprise. You know, I feel like everybody's been so unbelievably supportive um, like above and beyond of me coming back to music. Um, and it has been such a long time that, you know, I think the very least I can do is release um, okay. second single. And also, you know, honestly, it just very much so sums up um, just what this year is, what it has been, um, and probably most of next year will be. Um, so it just felt like appropriate timing. Um, and I felt like if I didn't release it now, it probably wouldn't be a single. Um, so, yeah, I just went for it. 
it's great. Like it's exactly what you said there. The first one's cool. It's kind of a, it's like kind of a clubby sort of poppy song. Whereas the other yeah. one is this. Um, it's kind of traditional Samantha Mumba ballady sort of like it, it fits right into yeah. the vein. You know, yeah. initially I had wanted to do a double A side, so that was the initial thinking. Um, oh, do you remember them back in the day? Yes, I kind of wanted to do a throwback to that, and then it was like, well, no, people really don't do that anymore. And I did kind of want each song to live in its own little space for a second as well. Um, so yeah, two very different songs. Hopefully, you know, it appeals. I think people, I think with Cool, you either love it or hate it. Um, and the process, I, I really do feel like that's kind of an overall, um, hopefully uplifting, um, you know, solid song that that people can connect to. When you look back at your back catalogue of, you know, all the hits that you had, are there ones, what are the ones that you go, oh, I love that? Or even even the videos, because, you know, you, you made a big batch of them, you know, early to, like, almost 20 years ago. Um, yeah. What were the ones that you loved and what are the ones you look at now and go, I wish I could bury that one? <laughs> so let's start with the ones that I hate. Okay, um, <laughs> good, yeah. dive right in. <laughs> Let's just go. Let's go there. <laughs> so I love the song lately, but I detest the video. Really? It's just dreadful. That it's, was peak mumba for me. It's it's just horrendous. It's just it ma- it's just madness. It doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> yeah, that one I kind of cringe if I ever see that one. Um, but love the song. Um, okay, to this day, yeah. I still love yeah, it's a great that song. song. Um, I would say my favorite video. Ooh. Oh, God, I don't know. Um, I have three. I mean, Gotta Tell You will forever be my favorite just because it's special to me and it was such a big moment for me. Um, but I do love Body to Body video and I loved um, the Baby Coming Over video. Oh, I, just yeah. loved the ex- I think I more loved the experience of making the Baby Coming Over video just because it was so glam and ridiculous budget and, you know, we got to shoot it on the Warner Brothers a lot. It was just very, very Brilliant. cool. You know, that was, yeah, good, good, good feels for me. In that Gotta Tell You video, did you do those things? Like, were, were you green screened or what? Because that, that um, seems like... Yes, but the, there was, no, there was absolutely there's zero green screen in the movie. Um, everything done was done. Um, however, as a lady, I cannot confirm or deny whether or not. Um, so I just call myself a lady. That's questionable. <laughs> however, um, yeah, I can't say. <laughs> you can't, you've never said, oh my God, never, I thought you were going to get never it. said, no. Because it does look like... You know the way you know the way in old 80s cop shows, you know, the woman becomes a man with a really bad wig on. Or like if you watch an old episode of Wonder Woman, and it's very obviously a man that's a foot shorter than Linda Carter playing her. Like, I look like a man for no. my video. <laughs> Is that what we're getting? Road. But you look like there's it's seamless, because I watched it today and I was like, it just doesn't look like there's stunt doubles. And yet she's hanging off a crane and she it's like, how badly did she want this? <laughs> Look, abs- no, the crane thing, I absol- that I did do. That, that I 100% did do, you know. Um, I mean, I don't think it's that big a deal to jump on a plane. I mean, you know, it's, you know, <laughs> it's going back to that teenage, um, I can do anything vibe. But um, no, the crane thing I did do. You did do, okay. Say. All right, well, that's an exclusive, right? We got it, we got it a little bit. <laughs> um, interestingly, now, just to be like slightly more serious question, like, Oh, this podcast, God. yeah, very serious. Uh, okay. uh, but I've interviewed, um, like, maybe, f- I've done about 50 episodes of this, and I've interviewed so many black women who were in the music yeah. industry at around the same time as you. And they all have stories. Like, they all have stories of just ridiculous battles that they had to fight. Things right. like, I remember Michelle Gale talking about 
you know, she did an interview where she gave out about, you know, being stopped by the police because she had a nice car and she was called into a room and told, you need to apologize and, you know, less of the black stuff. But, and I know the honeys, they had to, you know, there was a huge pushback with the music, with, you know, making it sound whiter. Did you ever come across anything like that? Because it seems uh, like you connected straight away. Yeah, I mean, look, I've had, you know, I could tell definitely some crazy stories of my time in the industry and, you know, um, in that regard. However, I mean, I have to be completely honest. I'm not saying that there weren't things that happened or were said, but they weren't said to me. They weren't said, you know, um, in front of my face. I really do feel very grateful for that. Like, as you're saying that, I well believe that those things absolutely happened to the girls, but um, there was never, you know, conversations about that. There was never um, anything that was brought to my attention um, about that. You know, even all of my recording in the studio was never, if anything, the only thing I remember the producer saying was, oh, say baby, like how Britney Spears said it, the baby, whatever way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Can we have another one of them? Cool <laughs> I want to use this as my ringtone. Can we just get another baby there? <laughs> I can't. I can't. But free Britney. Um, but no. Um, genuinely, that just wasn't my experience. Now, do I feel if I look back, um, I'm sure and I feel like maybe certain opportunities would have been afforded to other artists um, rather than me. Um, but, you know... Um, yeah, I can only speak on what my experience honestly was. Because you, I personally can't say I have those stories, you know. You were, it was interesting, because you were so young, you, you still were very uh, capable in pushing back. Because I, I watched an interview with, uh, that you did with Boy George um, <laughs> youngs ago, and you were really well able to push back and just say, well, no, I think that's racism. Um, um, so you were very strong. Yes. Sorry, um, I, I think to answer your question, you know, um, most definitely I have always been an outspoken person. Um, particularly when I was younger, I was very, very outspoken. So yeah, I mean, maybe that had something to do with it as well. I don't know. I just, I genuinely just can't speak on other people's experiences, you know. Um, but certainly for me, when I was younger, if I ever saw anything, I would have called it out, but I, I, nothing sticks out in my mind, you know, but certainly I wouldn't have been a pushover or a wallflower. I don't think you can be, you know, and well if you're done. in the industry, just, yeah. <clears throat> One of the things that happened straight after you were massive in America was you got cast in a Steven Spielberg movie um, yes. with your brother. How yes. did that even, how did that happen? Because you were top of the charts and then all of a sudden you were taking time out to go to Hollywood and make a movie. Yes, which actually, you know, my label very much so weren't happy about. And that actually caused a lot of issue uh, there. But um, I, myself and my brother uh, had recently been in People magazine uh, over here. They'd actually flown to Dublin and done the photo shoot there in my oh, mom's house. Andrew and um, And the casting director, I think they'd been trying to cast the role for, for quite some time. Um, and the casting director just happened to see our article in People magazine. And I was called in for an audition. Wow. Yeah. And that was it. You got. And that was pretty much it. You know, I remember at the time I was actually kind of irritated because I thought it was a ridiculous concept. I was like, of course, I'm not going to get this. And it meant extending. Like at that point, when I was younger, I would always be dying to get home because it would always be for like, you know, only a few nights, very small period of time. And so I was actually really irritated because it was eating into I had to change my flight to another day, which means I'd left less time at home. And I just thought there was no way that I would book this film. I'd never done a, um, an audition for a film before in my life. Um, 
And I'll never forget it. After I auditioned, uh, the casting director had tears in her eyes and I was like, that must have been really bad. <laughs> um, but no, you know, she loved it. Uh, I flew home and then um, literally, I think less than 24 hours, I was flown back to Poughkeepsie in New York, just outside of New York. And my brother was flown over as well. Um, and we were screen testing, so. Wow, yeah. and that was it. And you got yeah. to work with Guy Pierce. Were you star starstruck from Neighbours? Uh, I was not. I loved Neighbours. <laughs> he wouldn't have been. He wouldn't have been the thing for me. Um, <laughs> no. Okay. Not your vibe. So I was not. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, after that, you, so you you did big movie, big hit, but the second album, like you started it in that the I'm Right Here came out and was a massive hit, but the second album actually never transpired. And yeah. So I'm Right Here came out as the single. I had already started um, recording the second album, um, which I think has been unofficially released anyway. Um, and that was just at that point when the labels were merging. Um, so it went from being several, you know, different labels um, to merging into two or three. So at that point, um, my entire team was changing. You know, the people that I had been with from day one, um, <clears throat> who had signed me, you know, but it they seemed, were no longer there. It, it seems um, like such a so, bankable project. I mean, it, you know, at that time, if anything was going to be a success, because yeah. there hadn't been any failure, you know, yeah, it was just yeah. like, well, why no, wouldn't they do it? I agree. Um, it's weird when, you know, there's a few business things, you know, that, that probably could have been handled differently by many different people. Um, but at that point, I was pretty much shelled, you know, I wasn't dropped. Um, so I was still, you know, I still had my deal for probably about two years um, that. before I was actually released from my contract. Um, so it was just one of those things. You know, I think a lot of artists found themselves in that vortex of just weirdness, you know. Well, I, I think in the 90s when all those labels merged, there does seem to be a lot of PTSD from them. I mean, I, I was talking to Adele from Bewitched and she said that when they got dropped, they had a record ready to go. And yeah. they, there was a deal on the table that they said, well, okay, you can go to this other label who will release the record and you can just keep going. But there was a clause in their contract that once they were dropped, they couldn't sign another deal for two years, which was wow. just torpedoed their career. But it feels like, I, I always feel like Louis should have stepped in, Samantha. That's what I'm saying here. Louis, he should have stepped in. He should have picked up the phone. He had a bit of clout back then. What went on? I want to have a conversation on your behalf. Um, and that would be a conversation that, you know, um, that you'd be willing to have. No problem. I'll put you on speakerphone and I'll go in. I'll have a, I'll have a bulmers before I go in. <laughs> no, listen, I, look, and don't get me wrong. Look, I love Louis, you know. Um, I think it was, it was just a strange time. I don't think anybody ever expected um, things to do as well as they did. I think America happening was an incredible thing, but I think it was very stressful on the UK label. Um, you know, I think they had to then spend a lot of money because, you know, that wasn't cheap either. And it was just hard because I was low key needing to be cloned. You know, I was, America is such a huge market and um, you kind of can't just come here for a couple of days or a week and knock everything out that you have to do. You have to be here for months. You have to put that work in, but all of the months. And even when I was doing Time Machine, I think I was on set for about three and a half months, but all of that was time away from my label. Okay. It was time away from you know, the commitments that they um, expected me to fulfill. So um, it's it's a lot of woulda, coulda, shoulda. You know, I think there's several people that should have done things differently. I wish I had the wherewithal and, you know, and knew the things that I know now to, to handle things differently back then too. But 
but it's just this is life um and to that's, be totally honest that's a very different I think, you know like sorry but at that point I just I was ready for a break like I'd been working constantly um and having amazing experiences but I kind of did just want to not be living out of a suitcase for a minute you know okay. um and I am glad that I've gotten to have normal life experiences like I'm joking saying free Britney but I think there's so many artists who I just my heart breaks for, for yeah some yeah people, you know? because I don't think that's a quality of life I don't think that's what life is about this is one very small aspect and one small you know piece of my life but you know there's so many other things that I want to do there's so many other things that I have done privately but you know um so it's not as big a deal for me I get why it seems like oh my god where has she been or you know, is she okay? Why would she have not wanted to keep yeah. pursuing it? You know, it, it just, it kind of suited me. And that's the God's honest truth. That was very diplomatic. The gays will not forgive. <laughs> 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 just send me a list of names and I'll just pick them off. <laughs> I'll just, if it takes the rest of my life, Samantha, I, you will have your retribution. Um, one of the things I want to talk about is one of your other claims to fame, and I'd forgotten about this, but this is spectacular. You wore... Yeah one of the most, exp or the most expensive dress in the world yes. to the Spider-Man 2 <laughs> premiere. <laughs> the smallest, most expensive dress in the world. How? I mean, that's, <laughs> how did that happen? <laughs> Honestly, I was as shocked as you. So this is the honest story behind this. Um, Scott Henshaw, incredible designer, dear friend of mine. I had worn several of his dresses um, prior to this. And he was really, really excited. Um, so basically, you know, it, it was, I'm going to design the most expensive dress in the world. I want you to wear it. So um, the film company actually flew me first class. You know, we were put up in a suite at the Dorchester. It was all very fabulous and grand. And I think I flew in like the night before the premiere, went out for dinner, had a few drinks, um, and then went up to Scott's room the next day to look at the dress. And I honestly nearly had a heart attack when I saw it. It was just this tiny little thing on his bed. Um, and so like he had to sew me into it. I couldn't even sit in the car properly on the way to the premiere. My nerves were gone. I thought the stitches were going to burst. It was, I literally probably only had it on for less than 30 minutes. As soon as I got into the movie theater, um, I changed into another dress. At the time, you know, I was actually quite embarrassed um, by that for a long time. And now I think it's brilliant. I think if you don't do shit like that when you're young, you know, yeah, why um, not? when are you going to do it? So now I have no regrets. Um, but I was embarrassed for a long time about it. But now, um, yeah, why not? Well, you must have been terrified. I mean, I, I like if you, if you lose a zip, it's a home. It wasn't even a zip. It was he literally had to hand sew it onto me. And it was, you know, one of those huge London premieres. Like, it, it, was, it was just thousands of people there. Um, yeah, I'll never forget it. I had the fear of, you know, my man just killing me when I exposed <laughs> my entire I had a typical life. Irish man reaction that, where I looked at him and thought, she must be freezing. She must be freezing. I think I remember at the time, um, I even got um, handwritten letters from, like, nuns, from priests. <laughs> Um, in Ireland saying how disappointed and how disgusted they were. Um, <laughs> just madness. <laughs> One of the other things you've done, you've kind of avoided the reality TV circuit. Yes. I mean, look, I made a terrible mistake and did Dancing on Ice, um, which is just horrendous. Nobody should dance on ice. It's ice, you know. Um, <laughs> <That's>... 
<laughs> well said. Well said. They've been quiet. <laughs> people um, have been quiet. And now, <laughs> now people are speaking up. That's I 100% agree. I think there's no... Yeah. Break it. <laughs> Especially when, you know what they always bring in, like, an old lady from EastEnders. Like, oh, they bring God. in, like, some national treasure and they whack her off the ice for three weeks and then get rid yeah, of her. Like, it's, it's just... Right? Like, I... I cracked so many of my ribs. I popped a hamstring. My hamstring has never been the same again. <laughs> I may sue. Can I sue? Is it past yes, the absolutely. limitations? Um, but no, so that is pretty much um, the gist. I mean, I've been approached to do a lot of different, um, you know, reality things. But uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you don't, look, you don't want to be in a jungle eating ants, like. No, like, no. I can't even cope with spiders, so it just wouldn't work. Absolutely not. No, like, it no wouldn't work it. for me. No. <laughs> um, before we let you go, uh, I have two questions. One is just a general "I wonder" question, uh, okay. and that is, you were you were kind of a child star because you were like it was fifteen <laughs> when you were starting when you were a pro. Okay. Um, have you ever had a real job? Yes. Tell me. I mean, I say a real job, like you know. Um, so my very very first jobs. I used to be a lounge girl at the Big Tree and Quinn's Pub when I was literally 13 years old. Oh, my God. So they would have been my first job. In Quinn's? Fast. Um, I worked at Champion Sports. Uh. <laughs> and I worked at the Banana Tree. Do you know? Do you remember the Banana Tree in Stevens Green Shopping Centre? Yes. I yes, do remember the I Banana Tree. Like, literally, she was such a trusting owner. Like, I was... Legit 15 years old. I had the keys to the place. I'd be closing out the tills. I had to be there first thing, like just on the weekends, but I'd have to be there first thing to open the shop up. I had to close it out. The banana um, tree, that was eight euro for a key ring, that sort of thing. A key ring or like a lava lamp or like, yeah. You know? <laughs> but I loved it. I have to say, all of those jobs that I had. You, you must have really missed it when you were, you know, in your trailer on the Warner lot. Yeah, you must have really missed that. I really am one of those weird people. Like, I would be quite happy owning my own little pub and being behind the bar and all of that stuff. Um, I don't, maybe that's why I'm so unbothered. Like, little things make me happy. That's good. That's good. It's really bad for fans that have to wait another 15 years on a song, but it's really good for you. You're a good person. Yeah, it works for me. It works for you. So what is next with regard to music? Because you've obviously, you've a load of stuff recorded. Um, I do. So, I mean, that's pretty much me done now for another 20 years. Um, Brilliant. <laughs> You're going to stop know. now. There'll be another comeback in 20 years' time. It'll just exactly. be the same. She still looks great. She still sounds great. <laughs> No, um, honestly, I, I'm feeling really good about going into 2021. I cannot tell you how relieved I am that, the, you know, there's music actually out and really just even for myself that I've been accountable and done it. So there's a lot of music recorded. There's a little bit more that I'd like to do. I have a few more ideas, um, you know, of things that I kind of want to, to work on. But definitely the album's coming. It was initially going to be an EP. Um, that just does, it feels redundant. So an okay. album, definitely. I don't have a date, but um, but it, it, it will definitely be coming uh, next year. Fantastic. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to hand deliver a copy of it to Louis Walsh. <laughs> yeah, and just go, welcome to 2002, Louis. <laughs> you forgive, I don't. <laughs> uh, Samantha, it's been amazing talking to you. Thank you so much. And uh, you. Hope you have a nice I Christmas. absolutely adore you. And I'm so happy. I know we've tried to make this happen for the longest time. Yeah, um, but, but look, I, like I mean, I've seen what happened with album two. Look, I'm just happy it wasn't <laughs> 20 years. <laughs>
Thank you so much. Anytime. Thanks a million. Bye. Bye. That was the fabulous Samantha Mumba there. It is so great to have her back. Thanks to Samantha and all the team at Cat Laughs Festival and the Set Theatre in Kilkenny. If you are a premium subscriber, you can actually watch this interview on HPM Plus and you can follow Samantha on all of the socials. I'm at Garode Farrelly everywhere, but I'm mostly on Instagram. There will be a new episode soon and there will be a bonus episode before that. Thanks for listening. <laughs> This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today.